0: Today is the 30th day of December. Welcome to the Daily Audio Bible. I am Brian. It is it is a joy and an honor to be here with you today as we gather around the Global Campfire for the last couple of days of this year. And the Global Campfire is not going anywhere. January 1st, we just start over and go on a new adventure, but we're down to the last couple of days of the adventure that we are currently on. So we set sail a long time ago, and now land is not only in sight, we can see where we're going to dock. And yeah, the journey of this year is nearly complete we do have some territory to cover before we get there and uh, that leads us to the final book that we're going to encounter this year that being the book of Malachi the 12th out of 12 minor prophets the name Malachi means my messenger And so there have been scholarly debates about whether the title of this book is The Name of the Author, Malachi, or whether it's a book titled My Messenger. We'll assume that the author was a prophet of God named Malachi. And we don't know almost anything about Malachi. What we do know is in the Book of Malachi... He was likely a contemporary of Ezra and Nehemiah, and we remember going through Ezra and Nehemiah, the rebuilding of the wall around Jerusalem. So this would be the time period that we're moving into. Malachi lived about 100 years after the Persian Empire defeated the Babylonian Empire, who had defeated the kingdom of Judah and carried Well, and destroyed Jerusalem and carried everyone into exile. The Persian Empire began to let uh, Hebrew exiles go back to their homeland. And it had been more than 50 years since the temple construction got underway under the prophetic voices of Haggai and Zechariah. But all the promises in those prophecies, the promises of restoration and a future prominence, for the land were not fulfilled the people were in their homeland their ancestral homeland but the, the glory of who they once were had not returned to them and so they just existed as a tiny province of the Persian Empire distant and discouraged and because of that discouragement the people's passion for God was also discouraged which brought on moral and spiritual decline. Like one of the things we find in Malachi is that sacrifices that were offered to God, they were supposed to be spotless and without blemish, but the priests had begun to use the blind animals and blemished animals for sacrifice. And the law was becoming more and more irrelevant as a part of their culture. And so into this comes the voice of Malachi, who was probably the final prophet in the Old Testament age. And he came rebuking the doubt and faithlessness of the people. And like so many of the other prophets that we've heard so many times, inviting them to return to the Lord. Malachi will obviously lead us to the end of the year. It is the final book in what we call the Old Testament. And after his words, it would be another 400 years before a prophetic voice emerged again. And that prophetic voice had a name, John, the person that we know of as John the Baptist, who will be meeting again in the new year, uh, in just a few days. But after Malachi, four centuries pass before he emerges and the arrival of Jesus. And so with that, we have uh, talked about all the different books of the Bible, kind of flown over them as we prepare to read them. This is the last time we get to do that this year. Now let's dive into this final book that we get to encounter, Malachi, and today we'll read chapters 1 and 2. A Prophecy The Word of the Lord to Israel through Malachi I have loved you, says the Lord, but you ask, How have you loved us? Was not Esau Jacob's brother, declares the Lord? Yet I have loved Jacob, but Esau I have hated, and I have turned his hill country into a wasteland and left his inheritance to the desert jackals. Edom may say, Though we have been crushed, we will rebuild the ruins. But this is what the Lord Almighty says, They may build, but I will demolish. They will be called the wicked land, a people always under the wrath of the Lord. You will see it with your own eyes and say, Great is the Lord, even beyond the borders of Israel. A son honors his father, and a slave his master. If I am a father... Where is the honor due me? If I am a master, where is the respect due me? says the Lord Almighty. It is you priests who show contempt for my name. But you ask, How have we shown contempt for your name? By offering defiled food on my altar. But you ask, How have we defiled you? by saying that the Lord's table is contemptible. When you offer blind animals for sacrifice, is that not wrong? When you sacrifice lame or diseased animals, is that not wrong? Try offering them to your governor. Would he be pleased with you? Would he accept you? Says the Lord Almighty. Now plead with God to be gracious to us. With such offerings from your hand, will he accept you? Says the Lord Almighty. Oh, that one of you would shut the temple doors so that you would not light useless fires on my altar. I am not pleased with you, says the Lord Almighty, and I will accept no offering from your hands. My name will be great among the nations, from where the sun rises to where it sets. In every place, incense and pure offerings will be brought to me, because my name will be great among the nations, says the Lord Almighty. But you profane it by saying, The Lord's table is defiled, and its food is contemptible. And you say, What a burden! And you sniff at it contemptuously, says the Lord Almighty. When you bring injured, lame, or diseased animals and offer them as sacrifices, should I accept them from your hands, says the Lord? Cursed is the cheat who has an acceptable male in his flock and vows to give it, but then sacrifices a blemished animal to the Lord. For I am a great king, says the Lord Almighty, and my name is to be feared among the nations. And now... You priests, this warning is for you. If you do not listen, and if you do not resolve to honor my name, says the Lord Almighty, I will send a curse on you, and I will curse your blessings. Yes, I have already cursed them, because you have not resolved to honor me. Because of you, I will rebuke your descendants. I will smear on your faces the dung from your festival sacrifices, and you will be carried off with it. And you will know that I have sent you this warning so that my covenant with Levi may continue, says the Lord Almighty. My covenant was with him, a covenant of life and peace, and I gave them to him. This called for reverence, and he revered me and stood in awe of my name. True instruction was in his mouth, and nothing false was found on his lips. He walked with me in peace and uprightness, and turned many from sin. For the lips of a priest ought to preserve knowledge, because he is the messenger of the Lord Almighty, and people seek instruction from his mouth. But you have turned from the way, and by your teaching have caused many to stumble, You have violated the covenant with Levi, says the Lord Almighty. So I have caused you to be despised and humiliated before all the people, because you have not followed my ways, but have shown partiality in matters of the law. Do we not all have one Father? Did not one God create us? Why do we profane the covenant of our ancestors by being unfaithful to one another? Judah has been unfaithful. A detestable thing has been committed in Israel and in Jerusalem. Judah has desecrated the sanctuary the Lord loves by marrying women who worship a foreign god. As for the man who does this, whoever he may be, may the Lord remove him from the tents of Jacob, even though he brings an offering to the Lord Almighty. Another thing you do, you flood the Lord's altar with tears. You weep and wail because he no longer looks with favor on your offerings or accepts them with pleasure from your hands. You ask, why? It is because the Lord is the witness between you and the wife of your youth. You have been unfaithful to her, though she is your partner, the wife of your marriage covenant. Has not the one God made you? You belong to Him in body and spirit. And what does the one God seek? Godly offspring. So be on your guard and do not be unfaithful to the wife of your youth. The man who hates and divorces his wife, says the Lord, the God of Israel, does violence to the one he should protect, says the Lord Almighty. So be on your guard and do not be unfaithful. You have wearied the Lord with your words. How have we wearied him, you ask? By saying, all who do evil are good in the eyes of the Lord And he is pleased with them. Or, where is the God of justice? Revelation 21 Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, He said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give water without cost from the spring of the water of life. Those who are victorious will inherit all this, and I will be their God, and they will be my children. But the cowardly, the unbelieving, the vile, the murderers, the sexually immoral, those who practice magic arts, the idolaters and all liars, they will be consigned to the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. One of the seven angels who had the seven bowls full of the seven last plagues came and said to me, Come, I will show you the bride, the wife of the Lamb. And he carried me away in the spirit to a mountain great and high and showed me the holy city, Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God. It shone with the glory of God, and its brilliance was like that of a very precious jewel, like a jasper, clear as crystal. It had a great high wall with twelve gates and with twelve angels at the gates, On the gates were written the names of the twelve tribes of Israel. There were three gates on the east, three on the north, three on the south, and three on the west. The wall of the city had twelve foundations, and on them were the names of the twelve apostles of the Lamb. The angel who talked with me had a measuring rod of gold to measure the city, its gates, and its walls. The city was laid out like a square, as long as it was wide. He measured the city with the rod and found it to be 12,000 stadia in length, and as wide and high as it is long. The angel measured the wall using human measurement, and it was 144 cubits thick. The wall was made of jasper, and the city of pure gold, as pure as glass. The foundations of the city walls were decorated with every kind of precious stone. The first foundation was jasper, the second, sapphire, the third, agate, the fourth, emerald, the fifth, onyx, the sixth, ruby, the seventh, chrysolite, the eighth, beryl, the ninth, topaz, the tenth, turquoise. The eleventh, Jacinth, and the twelfth, Amethyst. The twelve gates were twelve pearls, each gate made of a single pearl. The great street of the city was of gold, as pure as transparent glass. I did not see a temple in the city, because the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. The city does not need the sun or the moon to shine on it for the glory of God gives it light and the Lamb is its lamp. The nations will walk by its light and the kings of the earth will bring their splendor into it. On no day will its gates ever be shut for there will be no night there. The glory and honor of the nations will be brought into it Nothing impure will ever enter it, nor will anyone who does what is shameful or deceitful, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. Psalm 149 Praise the Lord. Sing to the Lord a new song. His praise in the assembly of His faithful people. Let Israel rejoice in their Maker. Let the people of Zion be glad in their King. Let them praise His name with dancing and make music to Him with timbrel and harp. For the Lord takes delight in His people. He crowns the humble with victory. Let his faithful people rejoice in his honor and sing for joy on their beds. May the praise of God be in their mouths and a double-edged sword in their hands to inflict vengeance on the nations and punishment on the peoples, to bind their kings with fetters, their nobles with shackles of iron, to carry out the sentence written against them this is the glory of all His faithful people. Praise the Lord. Proverbs thirty-one, ten 10-24 A wife of noble character? Who can find... She is worth far more than rubies. Her husband has full confidence in her and lacks nothing of value. She brings him good, not harm, all the days of her life. She selects wool and flax and works with eager hands. She is like the merchant ships, bringing her food from afar. She gets up while it is still night. She provides food for her family and portions for her female servants. She considers a field and buys it. Out of her earnings, she plants a vineyard. She sets about her work vigorously. Her arms are strong for her tasks. She sees that her trading is profitable, and her lamp does not go out at night. In her hand, she holds the distaff, and grasps the spindle with her fingers. She opens her arms to the poor and extends her hands to the needy. When it snows, she has no fear for her household, for all of them are clothed in scarlet. She makes coverings for her bed. She is clothed in fine linen and purple. Her husband is respected at the city gate, where he takes his seat among the elders of the land, She makes linen garments and sells them and supplies the merchants with sashes. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for 364 days consecutively together around a global campfire, moving through the scriptures, allowing your word to wash into our lives opening our hearts to you and allowing you to do the transformative work inside of us that we could never do for ourselves. We thank you for the ways that you have shifted our thinking, the ways that you have challenged our behavior, the ways that you have comforted us, the ways that you have been patient, which are beyond number. We thank you for your mercy. And we are grateful And we ask once again as we have asked so many times that by the power of your Holy Spirit you would plant what we've read into the soil of our hearts that in due season it will yield a crop and that that would be the fruit of the Spirit in our lives and that it would be bountiful, that we would be giving it away everywhere. Come Holy Spirit we pray. In the name of Jesus, we ask. Amen. DailyAudioBible.com is home base. It is certainly a website. And it is where you can find out what's going on around here. The Daily Audio Bible app will do that as well. And you can download that free from whatever app store is connected to your device. And then it will be in the palm of your hand. So check that out. And uh, while you're checking things out, check out the different sections on the website or in the app, like the community section or the Daily Audio Bible shop or the initiatives. Check out what's going on. And if you want to partner with the Daily Audio Bible here in the last couple of days of the year, thank you profoundly. Thank you humbly. We would not be here if we were not in this together. So, thank you deeply that we are. We are here around the global campfire taking the next step forward each and every day. And so, uh, if that has been meaningful to you, there is a link on the homepage at dailyaudiobible.com. If you're using the app, you can press the Give button in the upper right hand corner. Or the mailing address is P.O. Box 1996, Spring Hill, Tennessee. Three seven one seven four, And as always, if you have a prayer request or encouragement, you can hit the hotline button in the app, or you can dial 877-942-4253. And that's it for today. I'm Brian. I love you. And I'll be waiting for you here. Tomorrow.
1: Merry Christmas, DB family. It's Lisa calling from the West Coast. Thank you so much for all your prayers. Um, I have my back health journey has taken a, a twist. Um, it turns out I have cancer. Um, so that was pretty surprising. Um, but to be honest, it's been kind of interesting. I think everything that I've learned from God over the last few years has really prepared me to be where I am. Um, I've really just had a sense of peace from the beginning of my diagnosis. And um, I just really feel like God is telling me to really make sure I go out into the world and shine my light and His light. (laughs) Um, And so I wanna make sure that I'm using this time and um, to bring others to God. Um, Yesterday I had my first procedure and I just decided to uh, wear like fun festive outfit and, to cheer up all the doctors, nurses, and techs and everyone there um, that had to be there basically around the holiday. And it was just the best experience. I just met amazing people and we had such a great time and I never would have expected that a scary procedure would be something that would be so positive, not just for me, but for other people. And uh, it's also just been amazing. My friends have been already really helpful with, with my back injury. You know driving me places and helping me get groceries and lift things and so now that it's cancer it's just been incredible my friends have just come together and i feel like um i just feel so loved um so i just wanted to let you know that i am praying for anyone else who's going through any kind of um cancer um diagnosis or any other health scares um just that god sees you and that god helps you just
2: um feel a sense of peace in this time Christmas. hi dab this is god's life speaker i'm going to read from brian's epilogue in the daily devotional the god of your story he writes i don't believe i have a final word in mind as we end our time together but i do have some final thoughts we can now see that the bible has given us a beginning and an end in the process it has touched every soft spot in every stony place in our hearts. We can look in the mirror and truly understand how profoundly and humbly the Bible has come to guide us in the last year. If you've embraced journaling, we've written quite a story and God has been involved in it more than ever. It is my earnest prayer that the dance you've begun with the scriptures continues for the rest of your life. You've proven that you can do it and you are not the same person you were a year ago because of it. Imagine what another year in the scriptures will do Consider joining me along with tens of thousands of your brothers and sisters around the world for the journey all over again on the Daily Audio Bible. One last thought, benedictions appear throughout the Bible and this is Brian's benediction. I'm gonna skip down to it. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May he lift his countenance upon you and give you peace. May the strength of God go with you. May the wisdom of God instruct you May the hand of God protect you. May the word of God direct you. May you be sealed in Christ this day and forevermore. Amen. Lord God, you know our hearts. You know each story. You have heard the beautiful Christmas party. And Lord, we pray that we can begin again together on the first of this coming year. So Lord, I pray a blessing over each of the dabbers. Thank you, Brian, and your entire family. And we just pray that you would be magnified, Lord, in each of our lives. In the name of Jesus, amen. Hey family, this is One Penny
3: Saved from Southwest Missouri, and I was just listening to Sneezing Jesus by Brian Harden on Audible, and it just dawned on me that I need to encourage everyone to look into that, to get Audible and download Sneezing Jesus and Reframe. It would be great gifts, but I want to say that I have listened to this for so long at nighttime, and so that's why when Brian made this Sleep album, It was just such an incredible miracle to me because listening to Brian's voice for like 15 years every single day of my life, reading God's Word just brought such peace to me. And so I wanted to hear that at night, but I couldn't, you know, Daily Audio Bible doesn't play through without stopping. So I remembered the, the Audible books and I started listening to them And I just wanted you to know that you should listen to Sneezing Jesus. This time of year would be the greatest time because, as I said, as this community has grown, it's so obvious that we are today's church. We are the church, and Sneezing Jesus just opens your mind up to a new, beautiful place. And I've listened to it so many times, and I will never stop listening. And I love you, Brian, for giving us the Sleep album. I gotta go. Love you guys. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year.
4: Hey, DAB family. This is Gift of God calling on Christmas morning. Lord, I'm calling for prayer, Lord, for my son, Dorian. It's Christmas, and uh, I haven't been able to sleep. I got a call from Florida. Um, He's been arrested on Christmas morning. Um, Hallucinating, because he had gotten a hold of some mushrooms or something that they're doing now some stuff and I pray would y'all pray with me pray for me brother, and pray for him Lord that he find salvation Um, I, I really do need this prayer and I do not want my 2023 year to come in with him being locked up and I knew you guys my family I can call on you and I know you will pray for me and pray for him. His name is Dorian. Thank you.
5: Hi DAB family, this is Lara in Colorado and I did not get a chance to call in a Christmas greeting, but today is Christmas day and I've been able to hear all of your wonderful voices. Um, Driving home from a, a shift at the hospital, where I'll sleep and go back and do it all again, but um, it's just so wonderful to hear your voices today on Christmas Day, and the, as we come to the end of another year, this is my third year finishing. I on January first, we'll start my fourth year, which I can't believe, um, and how much I've just grown to love this community and the rhythm that that Brian brings to life of walking us through days and weeks and months and eventually years and. Um, now starting to feel the rhythm of just you know what part of the year we listen to this part of the book and getting used to hearing revelations through um, through the, through December as Brian was talking about and this is kind of a bittersweet week you know it's like uh, we're coming to an end and then we get to start a beginning and it's very exciting and I look forward to doing it with all of you um, I'm also the nurse who has been trying to adopt the the abandoned baby from our NICU. Um, and I just wanted to let you know, she's still with us. Um, she's with us for Christmas and, um, some, some biological family has surfaced and I'm, we're not really sure what, what will happen there. Um, if you would just please continue to pray. We call her Anna. I realized I've never left a name, but we call her Anna and, um, that God's will would just be done in her life that if she's meant to be with us that God would make a way and we know that you are also faithful to pray so
6: Hello, my name is Miranda and I live in the UK I'm currently visiting my dear mother in Australia I've been listening to the audio Bible for a year and it has been very transformational and essential to my everyday life Thank you so, so much um, all involved, including the people who call in with their prayer requests. I'm so encouraged. I in So much so that I've built up the courage to reach out for myself on this occasion. The Lord has called me to do ministry work, and he called me during a time where I felt so very close to him, and I wanted to be obedient. But as I'm on the path now, <clears throat> I'm struggling with issues of anger that I've had, deal with all my life it's an anger that I've inherited from my father and uh, it impacts my marriage greatly and all my relationships and my day to day life and I feel I I just feel so vulnerable and unable to um, unable to be loving I know that I can I have been in the past but I feel so disabled by this anger that just rises up within me, and I'm so concerned for the relationships around me, the people that I love, the people that I'm closest to seem to bear the brunt of it. So I'm reaching out for prayer because I hear so many wonderful results from your faithful prayers, and I'm trusting that when you lift me up, if you will kindly do so, that the Lord will address this issue. Thank you so very much. God bless.
0: Okay, so it's no secret that tomorrow is the last day of the year. So obviously we have come down to the final readings in the Bible, which means we have also come down to the final readings in the book of Revelation that we've been diving into this year. And in today's reading, we kind of turned a corner. What began as seven letters to seven churches turned into seven trumpets and seven bowls. And we spent a lot of time with a lot of disruption. And we've looked at many views from many angles that eventually led us to the great white throne of God and the final judgment. And uh, we passed through that yesterday in our reading. Now we get a picture of all things being made new. And the imagery is riveting. And as we've gone through the book of Revelation, we've looked figuratively and we've looked literally in an attempt simply to get behind all of the things that have been said about the book of Revelation to try to get insight on what's being said. So we have to look at all things being made new from the same perspective as we prepare to end the book of Revelation and the Bible. So let's look literally at what we read today. While doing what we've been doing all along, asking ourselves, is this literal, is this a literal thing that's being said, or is this a figurative thing that's being said that represents something bigger than can't, that that can be said? So after the great white throne judgment that we read about yesterday, we are greeted with the fact that a new heaven and a new earth have appeared. So we need to stop and think about that, literally a new heaven and a new earth, which would tell us that our ultimate destination is earth. Uh, just apparently not this one in the new earth. There is no sea the sea was gone, so clearly that would be a very different earth. What we don't know is if John is just referring to like the Mediterranean Sea will be gone, and how would that work, but if we just assume there are no oceans, then a very different earth. And on this new earth, John sees the new Jerusalem coming down from heaven, to earth, dressed like a bride, ready for her husband. And a loud voice from the throne said, God lives with humans. God will make his home with them and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them and be their God. And he will wipe every tear from their eyes and there won't be any more death. And there won't be any more grief or crying or pain. Because the first things have disappeared. So on this new earth that has no oceans... God plans to actually dwell with people. And as it's happening, the one sitting on the throne says, I'm making everything new. I'm the first and the last. I'm the beginning and the end. And I'll give a drink from the fountain filled with the water of life to anyone who is thirsty. It's not going to cost anything. Everyone who wins the victory will inherit these things. I'll be their God. They'll be my children. And then he says, you know, cowardly, unfaithful, detestable, all of the people that had been judged earlier, they don't, they don't get to go into this new rest. And then continuing literally, one of the seven angels that had one of the seven bowls that were poured out on the earth at the end with the seven plagues came to John and said, come, I'm going to show you the bride, the wife of the lamp. And so John is carried by the angel's power to a high mountain where he sees this new holy city, Jerusalem, coming from God out of heaven. And it's um, obviously ornate with gates and jewels and angels and inscriptions. The names of the twelve tribes of Israel are on the twelve gates. There are 12 foundations, and each foundation has the name of one of the 12 apostles of the Lamb written on it. And it's coming down from heaven to earth. And it gets measured. And it's, it's, a, it's a cube. It's a big cube coming down out of heaven that is a cubed city coming down to earth. And it's measured, and its measurements are, are 12,000 stadia long, wide and high, and 12,000 stadia equates to about 1,600 miles, or almost 2,600 kilometers. And so from a literal perspective, somehow this, this will work. The atmosphere of this new earth must be different, because on the earth that we currently live on, I mean, if we just get 60 miles up, we're kind of in outer space. So 1,600 miles tall would be way out there in outer space. And the angel is telling John that this um, 1,600-mile cube coming out of the sky down to earth is the bride. And there is no temple in this, this new city because God himself and the Lamb are the temple. And the city doesn't need any exterior light like the sun or the moon because the glory of God illuminates it and apparently it, because it has gates you can go in and out of it uh, and, and Revelation says the nations will walk in its light and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it so you can go in and out of it or at least some people can and its, it's gates never close it's open all day they, they don't close because there isn't any more night so it never gets dark outside and everyone who had passed through the, the great judgment uh, and their, name were, their, their names were found in the book of life, the Lamb's book of life, will be able to go into the city. So that's kind of a literal look at what we read today. If we're looking at this figuratively, then there are a plethora of nuances. But indeed, a new heaven and a new earth are established. But this doesn't necessarily mean different planets. So the idea of first and second, or old and new, are used throughout the Bible. It's like you have an old covenant, a new covenant, a first Adam, a second Adam, or language like the latter will be greater than the former. This is usually indicating the impermanence of the first and the permanence of the second. So this second earth, this new earth, certainly could be a a different planet, but from a figurative perspective, it would be a restored one, one in which evil does not exist, where pollution is gone, where uh, corrupt political systems of governance do not exist, one in which the presence of God is immediate and tangible. Basically, an existence that is restored to shalom, where nothing is broken and nothing is lost. All has been restored to perfection. There are no more goodbyes, one in which death does not exist and God wipes every tear from our eyes, one in which there is no grief or crying or pain, because those things do not exist anymore. This picture comes from the book of Isaiah, where it is said there will be a new heaven and new earth and they will by no means remember the former. So looking at that figuratively, the struggle to survive in a dark world while trying to remain true to Jesus unto death, that's thats over. That will never happen again. But when we did read about this new earth, literally we found that It has no sea, so there are no oceans. From a figurative view, scholars just simply look at how the sea was referenced in the rest of the book. So it was seen as the origin of cosmic evil, it was referenced as the place of the unbelieving rebellious nations who attacked and tried to stamp out God's people, it was referenced as the place of the dead. It was referenced as the seat of the world's idolatry and evil trade activity. So figuratively, those things aren't, uh, aren't a part of this new earth. So sticking with this figurative view of the sea, then that means that on this new earth, there's no longer a threat from Satan or darkness or evil. Those have been permanently judged. They can never be a part of the new creation. And there won't be any threat from uh, uh, you know political or, or corrupt, rebellious nations. They've, they've suffered the same fate as the devil. There won't be any more death. So there is no reason to have a place of the dead. And even the fear of the ocean itself as kind of a dark, murky, unpredictable place will be over. And this new city has 12 gates. Uh, each named after one of the 12 tribes of Israel with the foundation having 12 foundations, each having the names of the apostles, which would figuratively basically uh, represent the completeness of God's redemptive plan, that all who are within this city are essentially the true Israel, which is not an ethnic thing. And it's not the structure itself, this 1,600-mile cube, that is uh, going to somehow, this cube that isn't alive is gonna somehow become a bride. It's it's everyone within that sphere. And this is thought to be true because because God uses marriage as a metaphor for his covenant with his people all throughout the Bible, even in devastatingly heartbreaking ways. So God is probably not interested in being in a covenant relationship with a, with a literal um, structure. Rather, he wants union with his people. Loyalty, allegiance, and perfect intimacy. And God saying that he is the Alpha and Omega isn't, you know, isn't the Lord saying that he is two letters in an alphabet. It is to say that he is the beginning and the end. So we see that very clearly as a figure of speech, so figuratively. But he's saying it as a way of reassurance that he called creation into being at the beginning and has remained sovereign so we can be assured that all things will be made new because he is the beginning and end of it all. And those who win the victory or those who overcome or are overcomers will inherit all of this. And as we've seen from one of the main themes of this book that we've talked about several times, over, an overcomer is the one who endures through whatever until the end. And what we inherit is union and communion with God and all of the essentials that we need for an abundant life in his family are available. And it's been pointed out that the look of this new Jerusalem, the way that it's constructed with all of the precious stones, remarkably parallels the description of the great whore of Babylon. Right, so on the one hand, John is told, come, I will show you the judgment of the great whore. And then he's told, come, I will show you the bride. So figuratively throughout this book, Babylon was the dark, evil world system. Consolidated into a city name. So those who look at this figuratively would say the same thing is happening here. One was an attempt to dominate and demand worship. And it was full of the world's people who went along with that. The other is true. And is full of those who remained true. And we talked about that a lot when we, when we were talking about the judgment of Babylon. But in terms of looking at this new city figuratively and not as a structure, the allusions go to other parts of the scripture that are that are used figuratively. For example, when Jesus is referred to uh, as the, the cornerstone that the builders rejected, well, I don't think anybody thinks Jesus is a, is a piece of rock, is a stone. That would be figurative language. Or uh, when Peter says in his first letter that we as believers are precious living stones. We, we can take that figuratively pretty easily because I don't, no one thinks that their destiny ultimately is to become a stone. And so that's why these things are seen figuratively in terms of this new city. And there won't be a temple in this new city. So if this city isn't about the structure of the city, but about the people within it, then perhaps there isn't a third temple to be built. But that is hotly debated. But figuratively, the temple always represented the presence of God. Before there was a temple, there was a tabernacle that represented the presence of God. So in this new creation, there's no need for that. The presence of God is everywhere. And it's not hindered or impeded in any way. And what about the dimensions of this new city? I mean, I said it's 1,600 miles. It's like 15 or 1,600 miles. I think 7 million feet tall. So, an obviously amazing structure. But in Revelation, it's described as 12,000 stadia. And the number 12 is symbolic throughout the Bible, right? So there's 12 tribes of Israel. There's 12 apostles. In this new city, there's 12 angels at 12 gates. Earlier in Revelation, there were 12,000 people from 12 tribes of Israel that made up 144,000. There were 12 precious stones in the breastplate of the priest. I and mean, we could go on and on. Many scholars affirm that the number 12 is a number signifying authority and completeness. So, when applied figuratively to the new Jerusalem, it would represent the entire family of God, as opposed to a cubed city. So, there are a couple of ways of of looking at what we've read today. And as with everything that we've talked about in the book of Revelation, this is just the tip of the iceberg. But man... Man, no matter whether this is literal or figurative or whatever this is going to look like, this is the unimpeded presence of God with no distractions in a world where evil does not exist and perfect union with God is completely normal. It's a picture of how things were always supposed to be for us. And it's a promise that all things will be made new. And if there's one thing that I'm certain of in my life, it is that I want to be there. I want to stay true. I want to see all this. And I'm, I'm sure in the end it will be completely different than I might imagine or that any of us might imagine. But what I want more than anything is that first moment of pure ecstasy of the full presence of God, followed by the awareness that it never ends. Don't you? And we can all be there We can all overcome, and we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. We get there by realizing that the end of what we think we know isn't the end of anything, it is only the beginning. And so, Father, we thank you for these pictures that describe what is beyond comprehension. And we take the book of Revelation for what it is, a promise. And we invite your Holy Spirit to come seal us in Christ. That we might endure whatever comes our way. Whatever time we're in. Come Holy Spirit we pray in Jesus name. Amen.